gave me and that I can give it to you. Um, this particular scripture is in Matthew 5. You should, most folks know this fairly well. It starts in Matthew chapter 5 and that's the Sermon on the Mount. It's the most um, prolific and the most, to me, has the most density about who the Christ is and his relationship with us. It's worth a study, I think. Matthew chapter 5. And I want to pick up in Matthew chapter 5, and I want us to um, start at Matthew chapter 5, verse 12. Just after the Beatitudes, he starts reading, starts speaking to these people from the mountain. The suggestion here is that he is in the mountain um, near the lake, um, uh, near the Sea of Galilee, known as the Lake Genesaret. And he's speaking from a mountain. And that's going to be important for some of the context of what he said. I'm going to be reading uh, from Matthew chapter 5, verse 12 through 16. If you could just for a moment stand while I read this in reverence to the word of God. Matthew chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. Please be patient with me here as I, as I go through this word. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Ye, you, are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savour, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. You're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of the words. Please take your seats. Thank you, Lord Jesus. As I read this this week, um, I was so impressed upon by this idea that we are called to be a salt and light church. We are called out to be a salt and a light church. And I wanted to kind of go over what that might mean to us because it's easy in today's modern interpretation of that scripture to kind of miss the whole point. Salt and light today are two abundant things we have no even we don't even have to worry about this. In fact, salt is so common, it's on every single restaurant table in, in, the, in the country at least. There can be no reasonable restaurant. that It has to be a really fancy restaurant, frankly, for it to not have salt on it, where they, the chef has made a definite statement and saying, you can't add salt to my creation, right? It has to be a very fancy restaurant. Right? Every other restaurant, reasonable restaurant, has salt on it. So from our perspective, salt's everywhere. Right? We think about salt and it's kind of, it's in our cupboard. It's a cheap spice everybody has. That's the context we think about salt with. However, that's misleading when we think about when Jesus said this. Salt wasn't just everywhere when Jesus said this. In fact, Salt was considered a, a kind of money. In fact, it was considered a currency back when in Romans in, in the first century um, world, they literally used to pay Roman soldiers in salt. It was literally so precious. In fact, the root word for the word 
um, salary, which is how we are paid, is from the word salarium, which is, which is what basically the stipend or the pay a Roman soldier used to get every month. Salarium, which is where we get salary from. It's all rooted in salt. Salt was so precious, it was a currency. Salt was so precious, it was one of the first things people traded. Salt wasn't just anything just on a table on a restaurant. Salt was precious and rare. So when Jesus was speaking to these people, he wasn't talking to them about just a spice you have at home. He was talking to them something about something that was important to them. To the very core of the civilization, they understood that without salt, we can't preserve meat. Without salt, we can't flavor meat. Without salt, we can't bring... Fat. You know, I just learned last night, and I said to my wife in such shock, did you know that baking, they put a dash of salt in? I didn't know. I just thought it was as sweet as you can do, as much salt, but the salt helps with the flavor of bread or the cake. Who knew? I mean, I'm sure you all knew. I don't, just don't know anything. I didn't know anything, right? But salt's important. Salt's important to preserving. Before this time, if I lived in, in a hot part of the world, anything other than the poles, if I wanted to preserve something, I would be out of luck. There was no refrigeration. We kind of take that for granted. We can get a, as much meat as we want, throw it in the freezer, take it out whenever we want. If the only way they could do this in this world is if they had salt. So salt isn't just something we have as an additional flavoring. Salt at this moment is preserving. <laughs> salt at this moment is a preservation for the things that are most precious to our sustenance, our life. Our life is relying on salt. So he's saying to these people, I need you to be the salt, the currency, the flavor, the preservation of this world. That puts where our, we are positioned in a slightly different perspective. We're not just something common on every table. We are something precious and rare that is necessary to preserve this world. Our point isn't that we are everywhere. Our point is that we are in few places, but the places we are, we are incredibly important. Us saying we are salt isn't saying that we're a common thing. We're an easy thing to get a hold of. Us being salt is an important thing to life itself. It's the spiritual life that we are supposed to be. We are the salt of the earth. I was thinking actually as well last night, as I was going through this, and I know Noah does a bunch of soccer, and one of the things that is important about salt is it's an electrolyte, right? It's an electrolyte, sodium and chlorine actually, two electrolytes, and potassium's another one. So when these folks are running around playing five games on a Sunday afternoon, and they need to get a drink, there is a component in there that is salt and potassium and, and all those things that are important to make any multi-celled organism live. Salt is a critical, those electrolytes are a critical ingredient. What is the Lord saying about us? That for us to be in this world, it's necessary for the health of the world. When you are in this world, when you are in this world, you are giving an exhausted planet 
A planet that is exhausted on its own cruelty and a planet that is exhausted on its own sin, you are giving it the life it needs in order to live. Don't underestimate yourself. And you're saying, well, I'm not a whole bunch of anything. I'm not worried about what it is you are. He goes on to say, in the light of the world, you just need a little bit of light to counteract darkness. You don't put a whole bunch of salt in anything. You ruin it, in fact, with too much salt. Gosh, you put too much salt in it, now it's not even tasty anymore. I'm not worried about how much we are. I'm just worried about that we are the salt of the earth. <laughs> you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. He goes on to say, if the salt loses its flavor, what is it good for? Meaning, we have to maintain who we are in order to maintain the goodness we are for the earth. If, we, if salt has no ability to preserve, if salt has no ability to flavor, everyone would ignore that little bottle with the white substance on their table everywhere it was served. We wouldn't care what was in that bottle. If it just tasted like the thing, it's okay for us to be different, is what I'm saying. In fact, it's appropriate for us to be different than the thing we are being added to. That's the whole point of salt, is that it's different, is that it adds something new. We are that salt. We're designed to be that salt. We're designed to be that way. So, but it's important that we kind of move on because there's two parts to this. There is salt and light. I've called us out and I've said I want us to be a salt and light church. And that's important here because light is also very important to the message that Jesus is speaking of from this point. If I can go back to the scripture here really quickly. It says, ye are the light of the world. In verse 14, you're the, you, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Again, I need you to understand what it means to say those words in the first century rather than the 21st century. It's important because if we think about the moment we live in, there is light everywhere. <laughs> Even at night time, there's light everywhere. <laughs> you go down an expressway, there's light just in places. You think, well, there's nothing Who's out here except for me in this car at this time of night? Why do we need light? And yet we have light everywhere, right? You don't have to worry about darkness. You probably have, I think the last time I've experienced true darkness, I was on a trip for school. Um, we went down in Wales, we were in Wales, and we went down into these caves. And at, one, at some point, we all had little candles, and at some point, we were in the, these, these deep caves, and literally, I couldn't, I put my hand in front of my eyes and couldn't see it. I literally could not see it. It was utter darkness. And in fact, I think we did some caves in, in, out of east of, um, sorry, west of, of Columbus, there's some caves out there, and they closed the door to bring utter darkness in, and you literally put your hand in front of your eyes, you can't see a thing. And this is more like the world that Jesus is speaking into. Like, when the sun goes down, that's it. I mean, commerce shuts down. We have stuff you can go to now at 12, 2 o'clock in the morning, you can go get your snack from the, from the gas station, right? 
lit up as much as you like. Light doesn't, in, the lack of light doesn't impact us today like it would have back then. Once it became night, you're subject to the terror of being band uh, bandits, thieves, you're scared of the idea of wild animals that can see better than you can. <laughs> like darkness was a frightening thing back then. And Jesus is saying to these people who are listening, you could be the light to light up the darkness that holds all the fear that the world is experiencing right now. You can step into it. And I know you're not, uh, he's kind of saying in, in the first part, he says, you're a city on a hill that cannot be hid. Like, it's almost, you can't help but shine. Like, a city on a hill can't hide itself. Like, you should be not be able to even think about how you're gonna hide who you are. Who you are should just shine out, and the world's gonna see you. <laughs> In a world of complete darkness, and I, I said at the start, he was saying this message probably from a mountainside that was close to the Sea of Galilee. What was interesting about the position then is that he would have been able to let the people see all the world around them, right? And he's trying to get in their mind, if you, there was a city right on this hill, right on this mountain where I was saying this message, and this city was shining, everybody around, no matter how far they would, were from the dark light, would see the light, even though they were surrounded by darkness. You don't need a whole bunch of light to pierce darkness. Like darkness doesn't have power. Darkness doesn't have energy. It's light that has power. It's a light that has energy. You can't make darkness dark enough to overcome light because the energy is really from the light. Why do I say all that? You are the true source of energy in this world. The light that is in you from the Father, from through His Son, is designed to shine through you even though the darkness is all around us. Don't give up on the light. I remember, in fact, last week we spoke about this idea of getting weary, right? We spoke about this idea of what it would be like to get weary. And we have to be very careful to not let the light of Israel, the light of our lights, go out. The light we are lighting up the world with is essential for them. The light dispels darkness, and by dispelling the darkness, we dispel the fear. <laughs> we push it back. Let me keep going here. Verse 15. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. I can, again, we, we probably think about this because we switch on and switch off lights all the time in our homes. We don't really think about what it is to have darkness. So we're not really scared about switching on and switching off lights. But in this world, the only light that you would have would probably come from a candle, which would have been made from some kind of animal fat. It would have been very, very expensive to have one. And the idea of lighting one and then hiding it would have been an absolute insanity to the people listening to the message. The idea of lighting something up and then purposefully putting it somewhere where we can't see it doesn't make sense, 
right? It's expensive to light it in the first place. It's rare, and everybody needs it. Like, so the idea of lighting something and hiding it doesn't make sense. And Jesus is using this parable to make them realize that the idea of you hiding the light that is in you is just like that. It doesn't make sense. Why have you got all this energy? Why have you got all this light and you're going to not share it with the world? Doesn't make sense. I'm here to implore you that the person who you've become in Christ Jesus, let's let that shine. <laughs> let's let that shine. Don't hide that. That's the thing that is been paid for already. That's the thing that was expensive in the, like being the default darkness is too easy. Being the light takes work. Being darkness requires no energy at all. Being darkness requires no effort at all. Being the light requires effort and sacrifice. When Abisha said to David, as we talked about last week, when Abisha said to David, we're not going to let you fight just in case the light of Israel goes out. He was, being, he was being serious. The light's too precious to Israel. We can't afford for the light to go out. <laughs> this world can't afford for our light to go out. You say, Mark, you think of a lot of yourself. I actually don't think anything of myself. What I think of is the Christ in me. <laughs> That's the only thing I want to represent. It's not my light. <laughs> it's not my life I'm, I'm proud of. It's his life I'm proud of. Let me just read this out. Let me just read some more of this. Neither do men light a candle, put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light to all that are in the house. Your light deserves a special place. <laughs> He's gone from talking about a candle, which would have been expensive, to talking about a candlestick, which is a placement for the light. Your light doesn't just deserve to shine, it deserves to shine so people can see it. It deserves to shine so people can enjoy it. So people can have life for it. So people can survive because of it. Sometimes our, we think our shining is just helping us. It's not for you. It's for everybody else. You're fine. You're going to be fine. The fact that you're here means you're probably fine as it is. It's the people who are not here that need your light to shine for them. It's amazing the responsibility you have. I think it's in a, a Spider-Man film, but it's a great quote. To whom it's a great responsibility, to, to whom's giving great power is great responsibility. Something like that. The scripture kind of says it more specifically. To whom much is given, much is required or expected, right? It's the same concept. And you're saying, well, Mark, why is it my, my, why is it my responsibility? Christ said it's your responsibility. He said the first thing after he went through the Beatitudes, and the funny thing about the Beatitudes, it leads beautifully into this, because it says to all the people who are poor in spirit, all the people who are mourning, says to all the people who are poor and not rich, not the top of the pile, he says you're the ones who are blessed. And he says to them, because you're blessed, you have a responsibility to bless others we have been given a gift and we've got to figure out how to share it if my light shines it's not just for me 
it's for the world. If I'm a city on a hill, it's because I am beckoning to those who are in darkness that there is safety over here. I am telling those folks who are stuck in the wilderness, over here you can get light. I am saying to those folks who have no preservative, who have no ability to last, we can be the salt to you. We can preserve, help you preserve yourself. And Jesus, and note in every situation, whether it's salt or light, Jesus is saying something else. You don't need a whole bunch. <laughs> you don't need a whole bunch of light. He's not asking you to be the sun. <laughs> He's not asking you to be the moon. He's asking you to be a little candle. <laughs> He's not asking you to be the meal. He's asking you to be the salt. He's just asking you to be you so that others can sustain. Other people are not going to be able to make it without our light. Some people are not going to be able to make it without our salt. With that responsibility, I stand before you and say, shine. Shine as much as you can. Some people will get frustrated with the way you are. doesn't matter. Somebody else will need your light. Somebody else will need your salt. Move on. Move on. But let your light shine. Don't quit. You're needed by this earth. You're needed by this world. You're needed by this country. You're needed by this city. You're needed by this community. May the Lord bless us as we shine our light. Hallelujah. Glory to God.